0: In 1882, Frederick William Henry Myers, poet, Greek scholar, and founder of the Society for Psychical Research, coined the word telepathy. Myers believed the consciousness could function independently of the body or that the mind was not dependent on the brain. Telepathy, meaning distant feeling in Greek, is a type of extrasensory perception, or ESP, defined in parapsychology as the paranormal acquisition of information concerning thoughts, feelings, and activity of another person. It is one of three kinds of ESP. The other two are clairvoyance, the ability to visualize or perceive remote objects and events, and precognition, the ability to foretell future events. Most scientists doubt the existence of telepathy and other forms of ESP because rigorous tests have failed to produce any reliable evidence for psychic phenomenon. They state that people can't believe anything that isn't based on solid evidence. And the theories that explain its existence contradict most of the fundamental laws of science. For example, if we were able to send or transfer information without going through a physical medium, then the law of thermodynamics would be violated. After the creation of the American Society for Psychical Research in 1885, telepathy became the first psychic phenomenon to be studied scientifically. When telepathy was first exposed to the world, it wasn't accepted. However... Interest in telepathy increased following World War I because people wanted to communicate with their dead loved ones. Many scientists developed several theories to prove and support telepathy. Two theories that scientists came up with are the radio wave theory and the timeless spaceless psychic field theory. According to the radio wave theory, telepathy works like radio waves. People often speak of vibes as though there are telepathic brain waves going from one person to another while the Timeless Spaceless Theory states that there is a special field where thoughts are stored in. Many experiments have also been conducted in order to prove the existence of telepathy. These included Ryan's ESP cards, which consisted of a deck of 25 cards, five each with one of five figures on its face, like a star, a cross, a squared circle, and three wavy lines. These experiments had results above chance with a high amount of hits, therefore lending to the existence of telepathy. So does telepathy happen in more than just humans? In 1919, William Long was the first to proclaim that animals have telepathy. He studied packs of wolves and believes they communicated while hunting at over hundreds of miles apart without sounds and believed this to be telepathy. In 1999, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, British scientist and author, published Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home and Other Unexplained Powers of Animals, In his book, he claims dogs know when their their owners are coming home because they are telepathic and provides evidence from interviews with hundreds of pet owners and animal trainers as well as from his own experiments with a 10-year-old terrier called J.T. Sheldrick is one of few scientists willing to explore this psychic phenomenon of telepathy even further. He has studied and conducted numerous experiments not just with animals but also with humans, In his research, Sheldrake began to notice how similar groups of species communicated and believed this to be caused by morphogenetic field. He believes that dogs, birds, humans, even termites carry invisible morphic fields through which their ancestors pass on habits, customs, even IQ points down the generations. He explains morphic fields as a kind of bond within species and that there are many kinds of bonds, such as those between a mother cat and her kitten. He believes the morphic field serves as a channel for telepathic communication. While others, like many animal communicators, believe it is the electromagnetic energy that surrounds and penetrates everything and that allows one to communicate with an animal. Quantum mechanics may actually provide the explanation as to how telepathy works. In 1935, Einstein, Podolsky, and Rosen published a paper which showed that if quantum mechanics is correct, then a particle can somehow know what another particle, even if separated by a large distance, is doing. Einstein actually called this spooky action at a distance, but later dismissed his prediction. In 1964, however, physicist John Bell proved the theory and showed how Einstein was wrong. The effect of his experiment is called quantum entanglement. And if you understand the implications of us living in an entangled universe... Then you can understand why telepathy is far from impossible. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing animal communicator, Reiki master teacher, and certified animal cranial sacral therapist Polly Klein on my show. She will share how she became an animal communicator, what that entails, and she will also share some tips on how you too can do it. Also later on the show, we will open up the phone line so that if you have a general question about animal communication, you can ask Polly. So stick around after this quick break.
2: ounce of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Today, I have the pleasure of having animal communicator, Reiki master teacher, and certified animal craniosacral therapist, Polly Klein, on my show. Thank you for being here today, Polly.
3: Oh, thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, and it's nice to have you in the studio. Oh, it's lovely to be able to look across and see your face while we talk. (laughs) So how long have you been an animal communicator?
3: Uh, well, professionally over 20 years. I, um, first, I would say my, my first introduction to it was, uh, about 24 years ago, but I would say it's probably been more like 22 years that I've actually been working professionally.
0: Okay. So what sparked your interest?
3: Well, um, I, first of all, like many people, um, I've always been an animal person. My daughter was just looking at my baby book last night, and she said, Oh, look, it said Polly's interested and likes all animals. And <laughs> I'm like, that's true. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know that I would say that I was any different than anyone else that likes animals. Uh, what, what truly, I'd say, sparked my interest specifically in animal communication uh, was hearing a story from somebody else who had been to an animal communicator that I just was so taken with. And I had, uh, I had a lot of interest in uh, studying different um, spiritual traditions and looking at a little bit about psychic phenomenon, but not so much thinking in terms that I was somebody that could do anything along those lines, just that I had an interest in it. But then I heard this story, and I thought, Oh, that's really fascinating. And um, at that time, so I'll, I'll share with you. I, I have a, um, a hearing issue, and so I have a service dog that's with me in very loud places because I have difficulty picking out if somebody's calling my name or emergency sounds. So, okay. um, so she's not here in the office because I don't think a truck is about to come down. <laughs> right. Down, You're and, safe. I, I'm good, right? Um, <laughs> but in any case. Uh, There was a a woman, Penelope Smith, who many people who are familiar at all with animal communication know that she's really kind of the person that sort of brought this to the forefront of of knowledge, um, people understanding that this is something you could do and you could learn. But anyway, um, she was doing a public talk, and I went to hear it, and at that point I was with my service dog, Zoe, who was impeccably well-trained and behaved. And uh, Penelope mentioned that she had a student that had a class, the talk was on a Friday and Saturday, Sunday was a class and there was one space open and my dog and got up and dragged me across the auditorium to that person. Mm -hmm. And of course I was sort of mortified because, you know, everyone's thinking, "Your dog's not trained. And I'm thinking, I can't believe my dog's doing this. Uh And uh, I went to that class and I, I pretty much never looked back. I mean, it was just such a um, eye opening experience. And as I say, when I tell this story, it was a life-changing experience in a weekend. And I hate when people say that, but it's absolutely <laughs> true. true. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So looking back then, do you believe that it opened up a gift that you've always had?
3: Yes, it's it's really, you know, and it's why I also teach is that I fully believe everybody has the ability to communicate this way mm-hmm. and that uh, it's more about um recognizing how you naturally are already doing this and how you naturally already pick up on information and making yourself clearer in those two avenues. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not something that I think only some people can do. And basically, I was given a few tools to play with And I went, oh, this is interesting. And, uh, you know, I think from that point, I realized, oh, there's nothing extraordinary about this. This is really a a natural thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So then when you're communicating with animals, just like in my opening, is it? do you believe it to be telepathy? What do you believe that you're picking up on?
3: So I absolutely describe it and think of it as telepathy. Um, and I usually, when I'm trying to explain it, I say that I think it's another form of energy work, that mm-hmm. we are um, connected energetically and that... Um, uh, by tuning into who it is that you're trying to connect with, you can send information back and forth. And I I, I am a big imagery person in life. I describe things in imaging, in images, and I, I like uh, guided imagery as a meditation. I, but I don't believe that it's solely images that we're thinking about. I think it's the energy. And I mm-hmm. think that we each pick up and understand that in the way that it makes sense to us. So... It's not necessarily that everybody is going to see things or everybody is going to hear things or it's any given person might experience it in different levels. So it's individual. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So has it carried over to humans for you?
3: (laughs) So that's a question I get asked a lot. And the answer is sometimes. Um, Number one, uh, I think with animals, they're not guarded the way we are guarded. But Mm. like here... I'm busy being the person that you're interviewing, so I'm showing you this face. But I'm not trying to show you the person that didn't want to get up yesterday and the house is a mess and the, 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 like all those parts of my personality. It's like, nope, I've got little walls up going, no, I'm just this perfect little person that's here today, right? right? Animals don't do that. And because mm-hmm. we walk around with these sort of walls up, saying this is what I want to show you I think it's much harder however when you're with somebody that you're really comfortable with I'm sure many people have had the experience of being with a friend and saying you know that thing and then your friend goes yeah and neither of you have said anything mm-hmm. you know yeah, and yeah, yeah. so I think in a way it's sort of like it's 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 there but as soon as somebody puts their attention on another human it's our natural thing to like guard up. Walls up right exactly. so then what
0: do you say then with children then it's easier
3: Oh, it's much easier with children. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's Even just the process of animal communication, it's easier. But then I'll also talk with people who are adults that used to do all these, you know, sort of telepathic games when they were kids. And they're like, oh, this was so easy. We used to send colors and do this and do that. And it's like because you don't know that you can't and you're right. not trying to, you know, project a certain way with your friends. Right, right. OK, that
0: makes sense. Yeah. So how long have you had your private practice then?
3: Um, so, um, I have had my practice for 21, 20, 21 22 years. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. did it start off right away and in brick and mortar or? <laughs> uh, well, n- n- very early on, like the first year, no. Um, The first year I either traveled to people's homes or um, they met me in my home or if they were too far away uh, once I moved out to where I am in Issaquah now uh, before I had my office I would meet people in all sorts of bizarre locations in their cars. I can't believe that some of those people are still my clients (laughs) because when I think about now going I'll meet you at the trailhead of this mountain you know Uh in your car in a parking lot that just sounds so incredibly hokey but it worked. Um, it worked. And <laughs> somehow, um, here I am all these years later. Well, that's yeah.
0: wonderful. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break. But remember, this is a live show. And if you would like to ask Polly a general question about animal commu- communication, then feel free to call one 298 kknw or 425-373-5527 after this quick break.
2: Experience one word that can mean so much, especially when it comes to working with a realtor to buy or sell a home. The only thing better would be to have an experienced team guiding you through the process.
0: Hi, I'm Beth Phillips-York.
2: And I'm Ray York.
0: Together, we own the York Team, part of Keller Williams Real Estate. We are here to help you with your next property transaction. I have over 14 years of experience selling local residential real estate, investment properties, and homes just like yours. I'm also known as the ghost broker. Over the years,
1: I've managed several residual energies at the properties we've represented or sold to clients. So if you need that service, I can help you as well.
2: For my part, I have worked many years in new construction, land development, and with builders. Combined, Beth and I make for a powerful team on your side. So put our wealth of experience to work for you. Selling a home? Get a free property evaluation and market analysis with the York Team Real Estate. Buying a home? Let the York Team Real Estate exclusively represent you and your interests. Log on to YorkTeamRealEstate.com. That's YorkTeamRealEstate.com. Peach Buzz is great if it's on a peach.
3: Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits, leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast and affordable. What a concept. Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com, S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had.
2: If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425- 754 6792 That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Don't forget the show airs right here on KKNW every Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. Today I have the pleasure of having animal communicator, Reiki master teacher, and certified animal cranial sacral therapist, Polly Klein, on my show. So Polly, before the break, you were talking about your private practice. And Mm -hmm. where is that located?
3: Um, So the name of my practice is Tonglen Healing Arts for Animals. And I am in Issaquah on Tiger Mountain.
0: Okay. So can you take us through the process? How do your sessions work?
3: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So um, essentially when somebody wants to set up a session, uh, the first thing we do is we find an appointment time. And then I send them an intake form. And then if you talk with any of my clients who have ever seen my intake form because I can hear the thoughts of, ah, she's going to ask all these questions ahead of time. My intake form is the contact information for the person and then write down the things you want me to say or ask or talk to your animal about. I do not ask for all sorts of background information. Um, it's not because it influences me. It's because if I have not worked with somebody um, before, I don't want them to feel that all I'm doing is parroting back what they have told me. I mm-hmm. want them to feel like I'm connecting with their animal. Right. Um, however, what I do say is when there are specific things that we are trying to get information on, the more specific I am with my questions, the more specific I might get my answers. So my, my quick example of this is that if I said, Hey, how are you doing today? You might say, I'm doing great. And if I say, Oh really? Cause I heard you were in a car accident last week. And you might go, Oh yeah, my shoulder's kind of bugging me. I was being specific in that question, but you might actually be relatively speaking doing okay today. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, so sometimes, um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say, I'll, I will ask people like, what's the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, The other thing is that I may ask clarification questions solely to make sure that I understand what is being asked. Because if somebody said something like, you know, my cat's freaking out, I'm like, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And I have to be able to at least make a a mental construct of this if I'm going to ask the cat, why are you doing that? So um, uh, essentially that's what I do at the very beginning of the session. And then I sit and have the conversation. And during the course of the conversation, it's totally silent. And what I'm doing is simply typing down the conversation as I get it. Um, and then, uh, if I'm asked something that I don't know the answer to, I ask the, the animals person and, um, otherwise I read back the whole conversation when I'm done. And then if they want to follow up on things, because I'm trying to get as much information as I can, but they might think, oh, you know, let me ask such and such more that I wouldn't have known to ask about. Um, so then they can then ask follow up questions.
0: Okay. Yeah. And it, relatively how long is this the first session?
3: Um, it's uh, about an hour and a half.
0: Okay. And do they need to bring in all their pets?
3: No. So I work with clients both in my office. Um, I also do remote sessions if I have a picture of the animal. And um, it doesn't matter to me. I only work with one animal per session typically, but it doesn't matter to me if they you know, sometimes people have several animals that they just won't have in the room with them because they travel and they have like two dogs and they don't like to leave one dog at home. It's not a distraction to me.
0: Okay. And so when doing the remote sessions, can you explain to my listeners how that works?
3: Yeah, because I'm going to say that that was the thing that was hardest for me to get my head around the first time I heard it before I ever worked in this. And I'm like, I don't get it. If you were there and you can look at the animal, but at a distance and it's the same way, it doesn't matter about proximity. Um, When I I teach, um, I talk about moving into this more meditative state, um, which I call a soft focus. And in that soft focus is how I'm always thinking um, about sending and receiving information. And so um, whether the animal is in front of me or not, the idea is I need to make some connection with a soft focus. And then I'm not looking at that animal if they're in front of me. Um, but that tells me who is, who it is I'm trying to talk with. So now if the animal is not there, having a picture lets me know who am I trying to connect with. But if, for instance, um, let's say you were my next door neighbor and you were gone on vacation and you said, oh, you know, Polly, um, something's wrong with my cat. Can you check in and ask? But I knew your, your cat Kiki, you mm-hmm. know, cause I see Kiki every day. Yeah. I don't need a picture of Kiki because I know who I'm trying to connect with. Mm, But if you said, oh, it's a black lab, I'm like, I don't know who the black lab is. Mm -hmm. So the picture just is a focal point for me to be able to say, who am I trying to connect with?
0: Okay. And so when you go into the soft focus, is this when you're channeling the animal?
3: Well, um, yes. Although I guess I probably wouldn't say channel, you know, it's it's, uh, I feel like connecting with. Connecting. And okay. I suppose different people might use other terms, but I think the reason that I, I tend to keep things more, um, oh, I don't know. sort Mainstream. of Mainstream. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was actually the word I was about to see, uh, yeah. is because that's what it feels like. Right. It doesn't feel woo to right. me. Right. It feels like I'm having a conversation with it's somebody. Natural.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So,
3: you know, I'm not sitting here channeling you. I'm talking right. with you.
0: Right. Okay. And so, you know, you hear about animal psychics. Mm -hmm. Would you consider yourself an animal psychic? Because to me, that would mean that you would be foretelling the animal's future.
3: Yeah. So uh, I do not. I do not describe myself as an animal psychic or a pet psychic, although many people who do the work I do 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 use that. Um, But I don't specifically for that because I don't feel that I can tell anything any different than if I were asking you a question. Mm -hmm. I don't know about your future. I don't know about their future, yeah. Um, so to me, it feels better to use the term "animal communicator" for that reason.
0: And again, it's less woo-woo and more, you know, more mainstream.
3: Yeah. A- as mainstream as you can get, it's telling people <laughs> that you talk to animals telepathically. Yes. Right. right.
0: <laughs> so, what sorts of animals do you work with?
3: Uh, well, predominantly, you know, it's the animals that we come across that you know, dogs, cats, birds, horses you know, goats, um, you know, farm animals. Uh, but I am certain that you can communicate with any animal if you have an open heart to it. And okay. um, when I say an open heart, what I mean is, um, well, for instance, I am not a snake person. <laughs> and it's taken a lot for me to try to overcome that, to be able to sit and have a conversation with a snake or mm-hmm. to communicate with a snake. Right. Um, but for a long time, I'd go, yeah, I can't. I can't because <laughs> the fear would block me. Right. Right.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So what is the strangest animal that you've ever worked with?
3: Uh, sugar glider.
0: Can you, what is,
3: what is a sugar glider? <laughs> uh, it's a nocturnal animal that, forgive me, it's been a long enough time, but I want to say that it's a the sort of squirrel Okay, e family, rodent family. Yeah, I'm not sure officially if it falls <laughs> under that, but anyway, because um, we had to make the office all dark because it was during the oh, day, wow. and so that we weren't stressing it out. And that was somebody's pet. That was somebody's pet. Huh. And I'll okay. say that, that without a doubt, the most challenging in terms of keeping my attention are ferrets. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. When I've had parrots <laughs> running around my office and up on top of my head, and I'm like, you know what, I can ignore a lot of behavior and a lot of things, but that's a toughie for me. Wow. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah, short attention span, I imagine.
3: Well, it makes my attention span less when somebody is standing on my head. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go to our, take our first caller. We've got Christina from Auburn. Christina, are you there? Yes, am. Hi. Thanks for calling in.
4: Thank you. So what is your general
0: uh, question for Polly?
4: Uh, I was wondering, what are some tips on my boy? He's he he's my grounder. Um, how do I how do I see how he's feeling? Get an overall of how he's feeling. He's old, he's getting old, and I want to make sure that it's quantity or quality versus quantity.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's what we all want. Um, so uh, there there are certainly um, ways in which you can um, learn to. Ask him, show me what your body feels like. And I, I teach classes in that because they're very specific uh, techniques that you need to practice. Um, but even still, I will just say that um, just in a, 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 a simple way, sitting in with your mind just being open and saying, show me what your body feels like and noticing if you notice any body sensations for you. And then if you do, ask them to be taken away um, and if you can feel that they're going away, then that's a clue that that's probably coming from your dog. But, um, but in terms of using an animal communication session, that's a great reason why people come to an animal communicator is to say, hey, you know, is my animal in pain? Is this, uh, you know, are they? In, is this a quality of life that they want? Because just like any yeah. of us, you know, we all have different levels of what's acceptable. Um, right and, you know and I know when you have an older animal there will be people that will say oh that animal is suffering and it's like well maybe it is or maybe it isn't like mm-hmm. you know
4: so that's what we talked I him. mean I, I can't tell yeah and if I sit there and I do medication I mean it's it's to help him to where I know that it's not going to deteriorate in bones or organs or anything like that but well, is that what he wants
3: absolutely and that is an excellent reason to um, do a communication session because then you get really specific information for your animal yeah, it sounds like you okay. want to call Polly.
4: <laughs> uh, I sure do. <laughs> I absolutely do because he's and the other the other one was how do I know that I'm still? It sounds weird, but how do I know I'm still his person? Like that is, I know that he's mine, but and how th- do I do it? that one? You know. What?
3: Yes, and That's those cool. are all things that get discussed and can can be figured out in a communication session directly with your animal.
4: Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, then I guess I will pull all your information off the website since I know that it's there.
3: Well, I'd love to work with you.
4: All right. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Christina.
4: Have all a right. good
0: one. You too. Bye. We're going to have to take a quick break, but remember, this is a live show, and if you'd like to ask Polly a general question about animal communication, feel free to call one eight eight two nine KK 298 kknw or 425-373-5527 after this quick break. On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to talk about Botox. What is it? Botox is a drug prepared from the bacterial toxin botulin used medically to treat certain muscular conditions as well as excessive sweating and cosmetically to remove wrinkles by temporarily paralyzing facial muscles. Botox was first discovered by a Belgian scientist, Emile Pierre, following a botulism breakout in Belgium. By the 1920s, scientists at the University of California San Francisco first tried to isolate the botulinum toxin. It took 20 years for it to be finally isolated by Dr. Edward Schantz. In the 70s, botulinum toxin was first used to treat strabismus, or crossed eyes. But while testing it on monkeys, researchers noticed that the botulinum toxin reduced the wrinkle in their glabella, which is the skin between their eyebrows and above the nose. After proving successful for strabismus, Allergan licensed the treatment and branded it Botox. Botox later got approval by the FDA for a variety of medical and cosmetic uses like strabismus and blepharospasm in 1989, cervical dystonia in 2000. Labellar lines in 2002, hyperhidrosis in 2004, chronic migraines and upper lip spasticity in 2010, urinary incontinence in 2011, and crow's feet in 2013. How does it work cosmetically? After Botox is injected into the muscle, it permeates the nerve terminal and binds, thus preventing release of acetylcholine, a neurotransmitter. Without this neurotransmitter, muscle activity stops. This focal paralysis is what smooths wrinkles and stops spasms. Essentially, Botox paralyzes the wrinkles away. Adverse reactions with Botox include bruising, swelling, headaches, and discomfort, as well as muscle weakness, which may affect muscles that are injected. Botox does not last forever, and its longevity varies from person to person. It typically lasts for about 120 days before the nerves regenerate. There is no generic version of botulinum toxin, but there are several formulations on the market including Botox and Dysport. These two are dosed differently and are separate iterations of botulinum toxin. Aside from Botox's miraculous effects of smoothing out wrinkles, it is also used for cerebral palsy children. Botox is used to treat muscle spasticity and helps to alleviate abnormal and even debilitating muscle movement. Some benefits that children see are a better range of motion, better position of joints, fewer spastic movements, less pain, and a better walking gait. The relief is so substantial that oftentimes the surgery required to correct muscle and joint problems can be held off until the child is much older and when there are fewer risks. Botox also helps people with Bell's palsy, which is a partial facial nerve paralysis. It addresses the asymmetric facial movement by relaxing unwanted muscle movements and reducing tension in areas of the face that are hyperactive. Although botulinum toxin is life-threatening, small doses of Botox are considered relatively safe by many doctors, surgeons, and even the Mayo Clinic. Botox has had a remarkably safe history, too, with overall life-changing advancements in so many arenas for so many people. If you are interested in getting Botox injections, make sure to go to a board-certified dermatologist, plastic surgeon, or even a PA or ARNP.
1: u r a skinandmind.com.
2: No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150.
1: Welcome back
0: to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com with your comments, your criticisms, your questions, and well wishes. Let me know how I'm doing. Today, I have the pleasure of having animal communicator, Reiki master teacher, and certified animal cranial sacral therapist, Polly Klein, on my show, and remember, if, it's, if you have a general question about animal communication, feel free to call one 298 kknw or 425-373-5527. So before the break, we had a caller, and you were explaining the benefits of going to an animal communicator. So
3: what are some other benefits? Well, um, so uh, some, some typical reasons why people might come, um, if uh, certainly end-of-life issues, trying to figure out, you know, is this too hard for their animal to be in their body? Um, Mm. uh, talking about medical procedures that are coming up um, changes in the home who if there's changes in the home status as to who's living there or we're moving um, or and probably one of the biggest things is behavior because when an animal I mean when there's a problem they often act out with their behavior. And is the problem physical, or is the problem emotional, or is the problem that they're confused by something, or is the problem that we think they understand something and they don't? So, um, a, a lot of what I do is we see this behavior. Hey, what's going on? Hmm. Okay. And what about adopted animals? Yeah. So um, certainly, people like to know more about the history of the animal, and um, I. So I, you know, we we delve into that and. It's, What I always say to people is that sometimes that's really useful if you see a behavior now to go, okay, I get this is where it comes from. But something that's really important, and I try to just stress this, is if you adopt an animal and you find out within a a communication session or even that you know even before a communication session that there was some trauma in that animal's background, it is not going to help that animal to think of that poor, hurt animal for the rest of its life because it's like you're keeping it stuck in that place. And so I always encourage people to to uh, have their thoughts when they're thinking about this animal Is okay, we're here now and like it's like opening up a vista to go, we're going forward from here. Right. Um, because it allows them to actually grow. Mm-hmm. But if we keep thinking of them as the scared animal or the one that can't do this because they're so anxious, then basically we're saying this is all we expect of you and and we're just uh, adding to that. Yeah, they just stay small absolutely.
0: Okay. And so you said you help animals with transition. Mm-hmm. So is that just to make them comfortable and also see if they're ready to go or
3: um, so uh, mostly um, it's trying to check in with them to see if they number one want the things over you know in old age that we're doing to them. Mm -hmm. um and to explain oh well we could stop doing this but you may have more pain in your body um but also and i this is just something that um like somebody will come to me a client will come to me and say "Uh, you know i'm worried my my cat is old and i don't know if she's suffering and if she really wants to stay and is she staying for me or am i holding on to her and so trying to pull that apart uh, my background before this was in counseling, and so that really helps me try to pull apart things from different people's perspectives and figure out how to ask things in a way that's not threatening and not scary. So if we're talking about an end-of-life issue, you know, and is this something that they would want help with a euthanasia? I mean, that could be a really scary topic. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, well, I, and I believe it's like us, you know, when we're ready to go, death isn't scary. But right. if you're not at that place, it's kind of like, oh, what? Right. So. Um, so it's both, I'd say, helping the animal and the person in that transition. So you brought up a good point.
0: So do a lot of animals hold on for their person?
3: Um, certainly if they feel that their person really needs them, I I see that often. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that I see it with every animal. You can have an incredible bond with your animal and, and also, um, not be, Making them feel like they have to hold on for you, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the things that I try to share with animals is that whenever they let go of their body, the person's going to be sad because they're going to miss them. But at the same time, they can understand that this is your time to let go, because the truth is, none of us ever goes, "Oh, good, see, ya, I love you. Ha- have at it. I'll, I'll. Whenever you come back, it's all I'm fine. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's like if I never see you again, it's all fine. We're not like that when we love somebody. We're like, sure. no, don't leave, right? <laughs> right. So so even if we are saying it's okay, you can let go, there's always going to be a part of you that's like, no, stay, stay. And so trying to help them understand that that stay and sad is, yes, I miss you and not. Yes, I miss you. You have to stay, but I can have both of these things at once. And that helps so much.
0: Mm, Okay. well, let's go ahead and take Barbara from Seattle. Hi, Barbara. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. What is your question for Polly?
4: Uh, I have a Shih Tzu, Jessie, and um, every day when we leave work, I'm always going to stop at the park and walk her, but she just carries on in the car uh, from almost from the minute we hit 48th Street till we get to the park, which is like a three-minute drive. So, How the, can I get her to calm down? So
3: this is... Um, I'm actually going to give you uh, a suggestion as to something you can do, but this is also a great example of exactly what I'm getting at, which is um, we need to understand, well, why is she doing that? Like we could, Mm -hmm. we can make all sorts of assumptions. Oh, she's getting excited before she goes, right? Mm -hmm. But I I don't know if she's had some experience that she's anxious about. I don't know Mm -hmm. if between those two places you you pass something that's worrisome to her. I, I don't know, you know, so it wouldn't make any sense for me to take a guess about that. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, why I say using animal communication to go, hey, we see this behavior, what's going on. However, yeah, what I will say as a suggestion is that when she is anxious, the calmer you are, Mm -hmm. the better it is. And I mean that not just in your body, but in your thoughts. So if it's, oh, I know we're going to go past this place. This is where she is always anxious. Guess what you're doing? You're creating a mental image of her being anxious at that place, which is, I expect this of you. As a matter of fact, I'm going there with you. Mm -hmm. But if it's, yep, we're going in the car, and yeah, I know, I hear you back there. It's all good. We're just going to go. It's not that you're ignoring it. It's more like you're staying calm because you know nothing, nothing bad's happening, so we can just get through this right? And you're, Mm -hmm. you know, I can picture us getting out on the other side and everything is all great. But without knowing what's driving it, it's hard for me to give more specific information as to what it is that we might need to do to help resolve that.
4: Oh, okay. All
0: right, then. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Barbara. Bye. So you brought up a good point as to why it is important then for us to communicate with our animals. I mean, instead of just, you know, uh, disciplining them with their behavior.
3: Right. Because, um, for instance, uh, if somebody says to me, um, tell my dog to come. And I said, did you teach your dog to come? Did you teach your dog? When you say come, I mean... What you're supposed to do is stop what you're doing and turn around and come back to me. He knows. Well, you can dress me up like a brain surgeon and put me in the best surgical suite with all these people. But if you haven't taught me, <laughs> it does not count. Right. Right. Um, but if he has always done that and now he's stopped, now it's like, okay, before I'm just going to get angry at you, is there a reason why you're doing this? Mm. Um and, and I appreciate that, um, we, you know, we all get frustrated with problem behaviors, and it's way easier for me to have distance and compassion for somebody else's animal, someone else's cat that is peeing on their grandmother's <laughs> antique rug. It's not my cat, right? right? Uh-huh. You know, so, um, but really trying to understand, hey, w- w- what are you trying to communicate? Because, mm. you know, generally speaking, they're not trying to make our lives, you know, worse. Worse, exactly. Yeah. They're trying to tell us something. Mm.
0: Okay. So can everybody communicate with animals?
3: Absolutely. And when I teach, what I say is that in a way it's like a muscle. The muscle is there, but the more that you use it, the easier it is for that muscle to contract and relax and and it becomes effortless. Hmm. Um, But some people will do that a little bit and go, I have this experience. And some people will do it a lot and get really, really comfortable doing it, you know, much more easily. Right. But it doesn't mean that everybody can't do it. And everybody who lives with an animal is doing it. You are communicating with them with your thoughts all the time. Hmm. So why not be clearer about it? Right. You know. Exactly.
0: So this two-day class that you teach, can you tell me a little bit more about that?
3: Yes. So it is designed for somebody that has no background. um, So you don't have to have any uh, experience with communication or anything Uh, any other psychic stuff or any of that. And it really is just a set of exercises that are built to help you learn to open up and to be clear about how you're sending information and how you're receiving information. And the thing that's so wonderful about taking a class is you get to practice with animals you don't know. Hmm. The hardest thing, and it's where everybody wants to start, is with their own animal when there's a problem. Hmm. Because it's, it's your own animal. You're like, well, I know these things already, right? Right. You know, um, what is, you know, uh, d- does my dog finish all the food in his bowl? Well, I know if he finishes all the food in his bowl, I see. Right. 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 But if I ask somebody else's animal and I get a, diff- you know, an answer that I could not know, then I'm starting to build my confidence. Mm-hmm. So that's, to me, like. It's not just learning exercises, but getting a chance to practice with animals you don't know. And then when you go back to your own animals, it's a lot easier to start to trust because you're like, oh, I get how this works. Right, right. And when is your upcoming class? So my next class is um, coming up in May, um, May 18th and 19th, a two-day class. I teach at a wonderful family farm where we uh, have dogs and cats and cows and goats and chickens. And it's just fun. It's just fun. Where at? Um, in, in, Brenton, in, in Renton, in Renton, yeah, in Renton, okay. Washington. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, great. Yeah. Well, I hate to interrupt you, but we're going to have to take a quick break. So sure. everyone, stick around for more love from the hip
2: experience. One word that can mean so much, especially when it comes to working with a realtor to buy or sell a home. The only thing better would be to have an experienced team guiding you through the process.
0: Hi, I'm Beth Phillips-York.
2: And I'm Ray York.
0: Together, we own the York Team, part of Keller Williams Real Estate. We are here to help you with your next property transaction. I have over 14 years of experience selling local residential real estate, investment properties, and homes just like yours. I'm also known as the ghost broker. Over the years, I've managed several residual
1: energies at the properties we've represented or sold to clients. So if you need that service, I can help you as well.
2: For my part, I have worked many years in new construction, land development, and with builders. Combined, Beth and I make for a powerful team on your side. So put our wealth of experience to work for you. Selling a home? Get a free property evaluation and market analysis with the York Team Real Estate. Buying a home? Let the York Team Real Estate exclusively represent you and your interests. Log on to YorkTeamRealEstate.com. That's YorkTeamRealEstate.com.
1: Pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com.
2: If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425 425- 754 6792. That's 425 754 6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425 754 6792. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast on Podcast One, Love from the Hip, and that's HYP. Today I have the pleasure of having animal communicator, Reiki master teacher, and certified animal sacral therapist, Polly Klein, on my show. So, Polly, before the break, you were talking about the importance of communicating with your animal. Yes. Can you offer my listeners a few tips as to how to do that?
3: Yes. So if you think about that, what we're trying to do is send information back and forth. To me, animals can understand pretty complex things, but I am not very good at sending and thinking about really complex issues as a whole. So what I always say to people is when you're trying to communicate things, you want to break things down into little simple bits, Mm -hmm. not because they can't understand, but because you're clearer in what you're trying to think. Um, or trying to send. And so as a very um, simple exercise, you can let your animals know when you are coming and going from your home. And the reason I like this as an exercise is because it helps you extrapolate out into other circumstances. But if, for instance, you have a work schedule that changes every day or, you know, it's unpredictable. So when you leave, um, you create a mental image in your mind and you are calm when you do this because your emotions go through at the same time. So you have to think about, oh, do I want to say, hey, I know you're going to be worried or, hey, you're going to be calm. Let me tell you about the day. Right. So you are calm. And then you think about the animal in the house and then you think about any window that they could see. It doesn't, it's not the vista outside. It's the light and what the light looks like out that window. And then the images of you walking out the door. And then you think about whatever you think they're going to be doing during the day. It might be sleeping, chewing on a bone. Somebody comes in to do the dog walking. The things that you might see that they might experience during the day. And then you go back to that window and you think about that image of what the light's going to like look like when you come back home.
4: Hmm.
3: And then you're coming back home. So now you've told them, ah, today it's going to be like afternoon light when I come back home. Or it's going to be dark. Or it's going to look really close to right now, which tells me it's not going to be very long. Right. Um, And you can also do this when you're at a distance because you know your own animals. So it's putting your intention on them in your mind. You don't need a picture of your own animal. You know it to say, oh, I said I was going to be back when it's light, but I mean, it's going to be dark now. And then the other thing to help them really get, oh, wait, she is talking or he is talking to me, is to then give them that message just before you get home, which is basically like, you know, watch the door. I'm going to walk through the door. And then you walk through the door. And then they're really getting, oh, wait, when they put their, when they send this way, I actually see this action. Mm -hmm. And then they start really starting to pick up on, oh, wait, you're talking to me and you're trying to give me some specific information. So I'd like using that as an example because the truth is you can use that basic thing in so many different ways Uh, when you're trying to convey, oh, you know, um, yeah, today we're going to have a gaggle of kids in the house and so when you know, my son's 10 year old birthday you know I'm like oh my gosh there's going to be all these 10 year old boys in my house and what are my animals going to think and I just thought okay animals here's all these boys and you can stay away and become or you can be near them and become it's all good mm-hmm. like, but um, to let them know that basically no matter what I know what's happening I know they're there you don't have to be worried about it and you can be away from them if you want okay
0: so what are some things then that people would notice if they were to do that
3: with their pet? They may act. I mean, a lot of times you actually see a, a direct change in behavior. I mean, mm-hmm. there are times that oh, when I'll do that, and my, you know, an animal will just go lay down. Like, okay, it's like no big deal. Right. Um, uh, but the reason I said we have to be careful about what our emotions are is because at the same time, if you had an animal that was always anxious when you left and you did all of that, but the whole time you're thinking, I know you're going to be scared. You're basically saying, you're going to be scared during all these things that I'm showing you. Right. So it's so critical to make sure that you're always calm when you're trying to be clear about sending information. Okay.
0: So I have to ask you, because I'm sure some of my listeners are thinking this is, why wouldn't you just tell them?
3: Oh, um they absolutely understand certain words. When I say sit to my dogs, I know that they mean that they know that th- that means sit. Right. Um, but I also know that when I say sit, I think sit. So they're getting uh, that on two different ways. I'll tell you why I don't just speak it. Okay. I have a monkey mind. It is so easily distracted. I am really trying to be focused on you right now. And <laughs> thankfully, I don't hear, you know, there's not a bunch of other things going on. But in real life, I'm very easily distracted. When I have to stop and create a mental image, I'm much more focused and much, so it's much easier for me to be clear in what I am sending. Mm-hmm. If I could be that focused while I was speaking all the time, then I would just speak.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So can you briefly tell me what's the difference then with talking with an animal versus a group?
3: Yeah, an individual as opposed yeah, to a group. Yeah, individual. Yeah, so... Um, Generally speaking, when I'm doing communication, I'm, I am working with an individual animal and, and it's no different in that sense than talking with an individual person. Right. Um, a, and a particular species or a particular breed of dog, we might say there's some general things that yes, but any individual, you know, brings their own things to the table. Right. Um, but especially when I'm working with herd animals, mm-hmm. um, it's very different and, uh, uh, oftentimes i mean i can talk with an individual animal but um i'm thinking of a situation with a herd of cows that i was trying to understand kind of there were two herds that were merging and the owners were trying to figure out how um, all of this would go and when i tried to approach the individual cows there was a lead cow that came forward and everything had to go through her hmm. i mean she understood what was going on but it she was, was the alpha but she was the alpha and everything had to go through her and it wasn't i was not to start talking with all these <laughs> others because she knew. And, right. you know, I had to respect that.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, how can my listeners um, learn more about you or find you?
3: So I'm um, really easy to find because there's not a lot of polys like P-O-L-L-Y, like a parrot, and Issaquah. You put that together, you find my website, Tonglen Healing Arts for Animals. Um, I, you, you can email me there at, at pause at Tonglen Healing Arts for Animals, um, My phone number's there, 425-427-8028. And um, I'm always delighted to talk with people about their animals.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here today. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks to Eric, my super duper producer. And thank you to the listener. You can find me at lovefromthehip.com or sakuraskinandmind.com. You can also follow me on Instagram or on Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel as well as my podcast on Podcast One Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. And if you really love the show and are interested in supporting it through advertising or you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com. Tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another Love from the Hip, and make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya.